Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago. And joining me is a man who's hopefully finishing the giant mouthful of trail mix he just took. He's mm-hmm. the founder of Mission USA, Glenn Fitzgerald. There is one acceptable flavor of yogurt, and that flavor is strawberry. Hmm. That's a bold, a bold claim. If you think it's blueberry, well, <laughs> you're wrong. Not only... Was I unaware that Glenn had yogurt takes? Yeah. I was unaware that yogurt takes existed. Sure. Strawberry. End of discussion. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on, indeed. Also joining us, Director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Now, do you accept a strawberry, but it's a nice, hearty Greek yogurt? Ah. I like a Greek yogurt. Okay. My favorite is the Chobani. Well. That's the good stuff. Right on. Strawberry. Joining us all the way from Mercury City, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Not only am I back, but I have a question, and that is, uh, do, do you have to have the fruit bits of the strawberry in the yogurt for it to be acceptable? That's correct. Well, where do we stand on fruit, of the bo- fruit on the bottom versus pre-stirred? Well, wow. first of all, I, I don't like my yogurt to give me work to do. Sure. Okay. Sure. But, um, you yeah, know, I'm an open-minded guy. Right. It really doesn't sound like it. Well, <laughs> you started with there's only one acceptable flavor of yogurt. That's right. It's not an open-minded statement. That's just, that, here's what I'm saying. <laughs> if you're one of those weirdos. Who likes one of the other 17,000 flavors of yogurt. Yeah. You just, I don't even know what to say to you. Yes. They made a strawberry yogurt. That's it. Boom, we're done. Okay. <laughs> but what happens is they, they say, well, maybe blueberry. And everybody's like, uh, 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 you know what? You know what, Trevor? If you just want to make a blueberry yogurt, you go right ahead. So Trevor goes. There's a lot of times it. when you say everybody, you mean specifically just you, right? So okay. what happens is it's in the it's on the shelf. You see it, you're like, well, you know, maybe I'd like that. Sure. You bite, you take it home. It tastes like garbage. Yeah. <laughs> it tastes like you took lawn clippings and raked it into some yogurt, and now yes. that's what you eat. Again, not sure this is as universal an experience as you're painting it. So we've all been there. No. Yes. <laughs> And let's, you know what, let's stop the madness. Also, okay. how do you know what long clippings in yogurt taste like? <laughs> I think Glenn may have gone to an off-brand Jamba Juice. Oh. Where they, they wanted to have like a wheatgrass you could add to things, but they didn't quite know what that was. Sure. So, you know, it's an understandable bad experience. Sure, wheatgrass, the most history breakfast you could possibly have. The most yes. bougie way to do yogurt. Just go ahead and put the grass inside the yogurt cup. Exactly yeah. right. Let me tell you what. Strawberry. End of discussion. <laughs> Fitz, I, in the spirit, look, there's so much dissension and division in the world today. Yeah. Okay. That's and true. in the spirit. Most of it yogurt based. Absolutely. <laughs> in the spirit of building bridges, I want to float something out there. Okay. I'm just going to add one word. If you don't like it, you send it right back. But I think okay. we owe it to ourselves. I think we owe it to the world to examine it. Right. Strawberry, banana. Okay. Let me just tell you what right now. In the interest of international diplomacy, peace, unity, harmony, and togetherness, I am willing to accept a strawberry banana. Wow. I feel wow. like we've made great strides here, gentlemen. This I is... feel like I, I present peace in our snacking. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. We, we've come together. Okay. Well, okay. On, the, on the theme of coming together and the spirit of that, we do, let Lee mention it, we want to welcome back Lee. Woo! Woo! Yes. Being gone two episodes from special assignments on a Young Life's scenic Carolina Point. Ah. Um, traveled many miles all the way from Tennessee to 
North Carolina, which is right. almost certain, essentially a different part of Tennessee. Sure, but a lot of time, a lot of fun times. Good stuff. Doing we the good were, work. He was desperately missed. That's right, and we celebrate that. Yeah, I mean, we didn't say anything about it, but he was missed. <laughs> I did. You just kind of ignored it. Oh, I didn't. I don't remember you saying anything about it. In your heart, you missed him. That's right. Yeah, everybody yeah. knows that listens to this show that I have it. In it's in the writer that Glenn has to be under protest when I'm gone. the The wisdom is half baked. He's right. not as enthusiastic. That's his heart's right. not in it, and yeah. there, his eyes are kind of glazed over when he's given the wisdom. That's right. Yeah, it's just a cruel charade. We, we had to retake a question when written and said, "I don't know whether to go grad school or take a job in Cleveland." It's just, I don't care. Like, <laughs> That's yeah, right. That, that won't fly. All right. Yeah, if you want Glenn to care about your question, the word Cleveland is not going to help. Yeah, that's right. That's a fact. <laughs> but so Lee, Lee has traveled far and wide. Yeah. And uh, you see, Glenn, I just feel like you're not impressed. <laughs> On that basis, I declare an emergency. Wait, the, there's an emergency? Wow. Yes. I it's think- like some weird version of Manchurian <laughs> Candidate, where I don't know what the trigger word is. So I just had to keep circling around it without just saying, "Here is the sentence we pre we pre agreed on." It's the it's the it's the old school game of Operation. You know the little yeah. where you got yes. the little electronic. Uh, oh, tweezer. we're buzzing. <laughs> right. But here's what happens. Uh, first of all, Lee thinks he's a big deal. Yeah. Because he's traveling. Yeah. Clearly. Okay. Okay, so what what happens is Lee thinks he's a big deal. He's a, a trotting the globe, yeah, and doing all the whatevers. Sure, yes. So what I think we need to do is to have a vicious competition, okay, to see who has done the most far flung ministry. Okay, I feel like our week. yogurt pieces, our yogurt detente has fallen apart. Well, yeah. we'll we'll see. Maybe we can build on that. Maybe we can't. Oh, I don't good. know. We'll we, find we out. don't know. But. Uh, uh, I have my entry that I have. Please, up. let's hear it. But, well, I, I think, out of fairness, I'll let you go first, Brother Jed. Well, I, I, I have a music friend named Ashen, who is all the way from Sri Lanka, which wow. is Ooh. quite far away from here. Maybe you've heard of it. Oh, I thought it was in South Carolina. No. Also, no. yes, but it's like, okay. it's like a Paris, Tennessee situation. Right. I, I can't tell you how happy it would be if there was a Sri Lanka, South Carolina. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, there are all Sri Lankans in there? Absolutely. I mean, there's like little Sri Lanka Absolutely, or yes, yes. My, my buddy Ashen, uh, he lives in Sri Lanka, and he is a killer rock vocalist. Yes, he I is. mean, that dude can can sing. If you if you took a bit of Freddie Mercury and you took a bit of Axl Rose and you kind of put them together, you'd, wow. you'd actually have the way Ashen sings. And so he uh, recently went into the studio for us there in in Sri Lanka um, to record a fresh take on the very classic hymn Power in the Blood. Mm, uh, did yeah. a classic kill- was a very nice way to say old right there. Yes, thank you, sir. Uh, did a great job. We actually, uh, it premiered in the middle of the night last night, which is prime time no. in Sri Lanka. Right. Um, so it's the middle of the night for us. Uh, but uh, uh, all Sri Lanka is buzzing over ashes awesome. and power in the blood. So they're getting getting down to... He's got a bunch of fans, man. He does. Yeah, for real, real. So that would be my entry into the far-flung uh, ministry contest. Well, that's... You know what? That's pretty pretty amazing. Okay, but... But I believe geographically speaking mm. that the continent of Australia what? is further away than Sri Lanka. Well, you have me there. On that basis, I win. Okay, well, tell us of your victory, sir. <laughs> I was talking to a, a lovely couple there. 
super fans. Uh, and uh, we were on the we were on the the FaceTime. Ah. And Matt had to explain it to me. Okay. I may have had to get off a train right. in downtown Chicago to take the FaceTime as a working phone call. The here's here's what it is. Everyone who's listening to this almost certainly has worked FaceTime. Sure. They're FaceTiming <laughs> right now. You can't stop them. And the thing is, if you've done it, you're aware there's almost nothing to not know. <laughs> it's pretty much phone call. <laughs> well, I didn't know any of it. So there's that. That was problem number one. Problem number two is there was no power on earth that could convince Matt that I wasn't going to get a phone bill from the phone company for talking to Australia. Now, when you say there was no power on earth that could convince Matt. No, that, no, that they couldn't convince there me. You go. I mean, Matt couldn't convince me. There we go. Saying, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got that right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying is I'm like, Matt, well, the, how much is it going to cost? It's going to be thousands. Yeah. He's, no, it's... it's <laughs> Think of how much cable they have to lay. That's what I'm saying. I'll pay it, but what are what are we what are we talking about here? And he's like, no, it's it's through the computer. I'm like, well, okay, but I'm he's giving me his phone number here. If I put that in there, boom, we're that's how they get us. Ma Bell's going to charge me up the wazoo. This is exactly what I'm. So I'm I'm talking about. So there was a lot of back and forth. Okay. Yeah, we got it. We got it hooked up. Okay. And uh, they were in their winter coats because it's winter time there. Sure. I'm in my my kitchen with the AC not turned up properly because my wife was camping with your wife. Right, yes. And, and it's so like 100 I'm, degrees here right now. Right, and so I'm sweating. So we had a whole... Those of you keeping score at home, that's 120 degrees warmer than it was four months ago. Yeah, <laughs> that's correct. So, uh, so but we, we had an amazing conversation. Fantastic. They, they love the podcast Woo! in Australia. Turns out uh, we're a big hit. Okay. There. Sure. Uh, uh, I think essentially, uh, it's, it's sort of like essential, uh, you have to do it or you're not cool. Okay. Uh, that's how okay. I understand it. That makes perfect sense. I may be filling in some details there, okay. but, uh, I think, I think, uh, I think I win. Well, that's wow. certainly by the geography. I think you have bested us. I mean, cause it's not about who does the best ministry. Sure. Or the the most effective ministry, just the furthest, just the furthest. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so I win. That seems good. Much yeah. like many uh, ministry metrics, we just found the one we were doing well at anyway, and we're just going to try to try to convince everyone that's the one. Just that's call that matters. Thing. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you about this amazing, amazing couple who are amazing. Okay. 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 They uh, they got on the Skype and they. We got to talking, and they admitted that just before that it happened, they were trying to figure out how to rig the laptop to hang upside down. That's so good stuff. That they would come through upside down. That's on, a solid on the, bit. On the, that is amazing. That's yeah. That, that's a that's a super fan right yeah, there. Yeah, that's awesome. Th- those are people that get where we're at. That's it also people, yeah. also almost certainly would have led to Glenn exclaiming, "I knew it." That's yes. right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I knew that's what was going on. Yes. Yeah, that so, makes me really happy. Yeah, that's these 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 are people who get it. Okay. Now, and this is another thing. This part's serious because we me. were talking about this. On the, the text machine. Oh, that's right. We talk off air. Oh, yeah. Here's what... Here's what. Our greatest fear when we start doing this podcast... Yeah. Everybody's going to like it. There's going to be a bunch of weirdos. It's been known to happen. You know what I mean? Sometimes, yeah. like, you do a speaking gig or something, and somebody comes up to you later, and, you, you know, bless their hearts, they, they need some work. Yeah. 
And they're just a weirdo. Right? I think I can speak for both Lee and I. As people who've played in rock bands and dive bars, <laughs> a certain percentage of your fan base is not who you want as your fan base. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You know? and, and, and then at some point you start questioning yourself. Yeah. Am, am I just playing the notes that really weird people like? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Playing that weird note real good. <laughs> am I sending out some sort of signal here? Yeah. So, you know, that was, it was one of my thoughts is like, you know, who's going to really be into this? this? And I'm not saying this to flatter anybody, but 100% of the people that we've met internationally, uh, people in other countries and stuff that listen to this podcast have been, <laughs> no kidding, the coolest people you want to hang out with. Lights That's up. awesome. That's awesome. So, um, so to the Joel Osteen podcast, stick that where the sun don't shine. Mm. <laughs> sure. Yes. <laughs> Our, our people are cooler than your people. Yes. Almost certainly. Yes. So uh, on that basis, well then, I declare emergency off. Quite. Now, Glenn uh, specified there that our international listeners that he's met are very cool people. And, uh, you know, omission or thinly veiled uh, assertion that the domestic listenership needs to step it up. That's up to you to decide. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, yeah. That's, you know, just think about it. Pray you about know what it. you did. Open to interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> it's not been a good year for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, not our listenership specifically, but no, just the yeah, general just geographical the America, area. Yeah, yeah the whole America. I think we're beating the mean, but it's still, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's not been a great year in the league here, as that's it were. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, well, I think Glenn wins. That's that's certainly certainly true. Um I'm trying to think of a way to uh, transition from insulting a uh, huge swath of the audience into the Bridgebox plug. And, uh, yeah. You so want to redeem yourself? Sign oh, up for Bridgebox. Good call. Thank nice. you. Bridgebox hasn't had a, Bridgebox had a great year. It's been fantastic. We've released many issues with sermons and songs and Bible studies and whatnot. We've had a lot of fantastic stuff. Uh, I It's so fantastic and comes out... At the beginning of the month, I can't remember what this month's topic is, Jed. Well, I can tell you the next month's topic. Ooh. It's our first annual Summer Spectacular. Nice. Whoa. Nice. That's right. That's right. We're going to send you fireworks with every issue. <laughs> A little fun in the sun for summer. Well, if you want to sign up, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Only $8 a month. That's the number one way, folks. We like to show support what we do in Chicago, what Lee does down there in Tennessee. It helps... Our ama- us pay and help out a little bit with our amazing deacons who do great work at the bridge, getting folks hooked up with jobs, uh, 12-step meetings, housing, food, all sorts of amazing work they do, which they are able to do, which really helps out the service at the bridge, because specifically, uh, people that sign up for Bridgebox, that again, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. All right, we're jumping to our first question here. If you us all the way to the end, I use some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in anonymously, and it says... A friend recently got married and wants to join the discipleship group under me and my husband. She's been a disciple and a friend for years. Her husband is also a good friend of ours. She said she's upset because her husband thinks mine is spiritually mature compared to him because he's been in church longer. Mm. She doesn't know what to do or how to address it since he re- she really wants to be in the group. I'm sad and, of course, a bit hurt. So, Jed, why don't you start us off here? Well, thanks so much for writing in. We're uh, we're grateful for your question. Um, and let's start with this. You actually can't force people to have a good attitude or to have the right view in things. Um, and Lord knows we've tried. Lord, oh, yes. Um, the, the husband here that, that believes he is uh, the superior spiritual specimen, wow. um, he's almost certainly wrong, uh, but you kind of can't force him 
to think differently on that. And that's, that's one of the difficult things about life on planet Earth is yeah, people are super wrong and super unwilling to change that. So when we, when we encounter that, one of the things that are worth looking at is what are our other options? Um, I, it's probably a bad idea to try and convince someone to sit under the leadership of a person that they don't respect as a leader. That, that's probably not going to end well. Um, so it's worth looking at what are the other possibilities. Could your friend join your group? Um, and the husband can be a part of some other group, some other Bible study or Sunday school class or, or church program. It's also worth looking at, um, you know, this is being presented as, well, I'm, I'm more spiritually mature than him because of my many years of learning. That could be what he thinks. That could also be a cover for, I just don't know this dude very well, right, right. and I don't, I don't really know what to do with that. In which case, is it, uh, can we find ways for these two dudes to serve together and begin to, to get to know one another and, and, and to build a bit of a relationship here? But here's here's one more thing that I definitely have you look at is I think one of the things that um, is an idea we can get in our heads that makes a lot of sense, it just turns out to not be true, is if I was really doing a good job with this ministry thing, then people would totally respect me and they totally get mm. it and, and I would have their support. Mm. So when you have something like this where somebody is not being supportive, there's kind of a one-two punch where one, it, it just kind of sucks to feel disrespected. I mean, that's just not fun. But secondly, it makes me wonder, maybe we're not doing as good of a job as we think we are because I kind of feel like if we were really doing a good job, then people would see that and we would have that respect off of it. So, Which is adorable. Yes, that unfortunate. It makes perfect sense. You would think that way, <laughs> right? Yes, I have thought that way. We have all thought that yeah. way. Here's the problem: that is not how this stuff works. Um, I don't know your specific situation. You wrote in anonymously, but I'm very familiar with the ministry work of a lot of our listeners, and every single one that I'm aware of is doing an amazing job. Yeah, um, is doing so good. Yeah, there's room for growth. There's room for improvement. That's true of everything. That's true of this podcast. We have a lot of room to grow. Y'all. Did you hear the first segment? I mean, it was seriously, all over the place. <laughs> I said something about where the sun doesn't shine. Yes, and I specifically meant far south, uh, the Batakal sure. region. Yeah. Yes. Well, I actually meant like the South Pole where the sun doesn't shine. Oh, I you see. Want I see. To stick something in the South Pole. That's right. The, the, it, which is known as the Batakal region. <laughs> yes. Of the Earth. Yes, that's right. That's well played, sir. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Every ministry program, even really good ones, has room to grow, has room to improve. But that's not the same as saying it's doing a bad job. Again, I don't know your specific situation, but for the folks that we know through this podcast that are that are doing ministry stuff, man, in general, they're doing an awesome job. And we're proud of you for the stuff that you're doing. Yeah. We, we stand with you. I'm sure there's room for improvement, but we stand with you. I'm sure you guys are doing a great job, and we're proud of you, and we've got your back. The fact that you're not getting the kind of respect that feels like it should flow from that doesn't have anything to say about how good a job you are or are not doing. Actually, if you can dig it, I don't, I'm about to make some gross generalizations. So I want you to hang with me because I don't know the people that are involved here, but in general, the kind of guy that would say I am more spiritually mature because I've been in church longer and I've known a lot of people like that are people who would be more likely to act that way towards someone they know is a stronger Christian than they are. Mm. In other words, the better a job you're doing, the more likely certain people are to be disrespectful about it because they feel threatened by what's going on. It's a weird paradox, yeah. Yeah. but 
Christians tend to be wildly insecure Come on. about their own spiritual maturity. And if you and your husband are doing a great job, and you clearly are in that other people are excited to be a part of this. If you guys are doing a great job, they're unfortunately, I hate this is true, but there's a certain kind of churchgoer that looks at that and says, I got to find a way to tear that down. And I mm. want to not be around that. I think it's worth looking at, thinking at, praying about, is that what you're dealing with here? Because that's a separate consideration from what he's actually presenting to you. That's a really great big picture look at this. I think there's a lot in there that is absolutely spot on in general and probably for this situation. Lee, I'd love to go to you here and let's look at another aspect of this, which is um, I, as an outside person, that could be someone in ministry, that could be just a friend of a couple or whatever, am on the kind of receiving end of a couple disagreement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, husband and wife team, there's, there's conflict in between that about something I'm kind of involved in or near. There's a limited number of options of what I, as someone outside this relationship, can do to influence that. So how do I make smart decisions about what that is, and how do I have some peace about they kind of got to deal with this, and then I just am downstream of that? That's a great way to put it, and it's a great layup. And and this really goes right off the heels of what Jeb was talking about, because the the temptation for all of us who have been in ministry is exactly what Jed said, and I think it's implicit in the way that you worded your question, which, uh, and don't take this the wrong way, you say in the question that you're hurt and you're sad. That makes all the sense in the world. I would be too. That's the natural response to this. But implicit in the ideas of being hurt and sad is exactly as Jed's saying, it's the feeling that you've done something wrong here. One of the issues that you need to look at, and I think exactly as Matt's saying, it has the potential to give you some peace on this, is the fact that we may be looking at a couple who don't know how to have a hard conversation, um, who don't know how to have conflict in a healthy way. I mean, you've got, um, you're offering something really cool to some people in your life who you're friends with, and let, let's let's just for the sake of the conversation, take all of the spiritual stuff out of it. Let's say it's not a Bible study, okay? Let's just say that it's like you're hosting a World Cup party or something, and you're inviting some friends over. And uh, and so then the couple, uh, the, one of the couples you're inviting over is having a whole thing about it. I don't want to go over there for this or that or the other reason. And the wife comes to you and talks to you about it, and she's just like, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do. I'm sad. Um, and so the deal with that is, is that now you're looking at a situation. This is not that you've thrown a bad party. Um, it's not that you know your TV's not big enough or you didn't choose the right snacks. It's that you're looking at a situation where a couple is in a conflict, and they don't know how to have that conversation. So, um, like, she wants to go and he doesn't. You know, every couple, they have to know how to have confrontation. They have to know how to have tough conversations. And here's another thing. And they have to be willing sometimes to do stuff they don't want to do for the sake of their mate. Um, And how couples work that stuff out is between them. But you may be looking at a couple who doesn't know how to have that conversation. It, It could be that your friend doesn't know how to say to her husband, hey, you know what, pal? Um, you're not as amazing as you think you are, and we need to go to this Bible study. Uh, we all have stuff to learn. We all have blind spots. We spiritually need each other as the body and all that kind of stuff. And so this is a good thing for us as a couple. I'd like you to go for uh, three weeks and try it out, and then let's have a conversation on the other half of that. That would be a really healthy way for them to have that conversation. But it sounds to me, again, just as Jed said, we don't know these folks. So 
Um, I, I'm I'm really kind of uh, I, I'm kind of guessing here, but I'm not guessing that much. Uh, based on the information, this sounds like a couple that they don't know how to have a hard conversation. And I, I say that to say this: this is not your deal. Um, I, I know that the the emotions of feeling sad and hurt come naturally, but again, this is not because you're throwing a bad party. Um, this is a situation where you want to have some pity for them. Now you know how to pray for your friend. And by the way, as you continue to have a friendship with this with this woman in your life, you need to be on the lookout for other signs in their relationship for ways that you can pray and talk with her through situations. They're going to have tougher conversations than, do you want to go to this Bible study? Um, no, I don't. They're going to have tougher confrontations and situations than that. This is a good, this is, this is really a layup. This is a good time for them to have this conversation. If they don't do it, some tougher ones are going to come up later. So you can pray for, for them in that, and you can walk with your friend in that, and you can kind of be on the lookout, but you can't solve this for them. And just as Jed said, you can't make somebody that's having an uncool attitude have a cool attitude, but it should give you some peace knowing you know what? I'm doing a cool thing here. They've got a deeper issue that's holding them back from this thing. It may be the dude's insecurity. It may be that they don't know how to have a tough conversation. Those are some other things to look at, another angle. But again, hitting that same point that you're doing what you should be doing. Sad and hurt, it makes sense, but we hope you can feel some peace off of the fact that this isn't your deal. It's all really good stuff. I'm going to love you to close out here by, uh, let's take a look at this from the, the ministerial aspect, unless the couple aspect, I think Lee did a great job covering that for us. Um, as, as Jed points out, and it's absolutely right, there's, there's doing a great job, doing pretty much everything right, not that everybody does everything right, but you know, uh, from, from that outset, and that's never going to get the response from people that you 100% think it should. Right. Um, how does that affect how we go on? Obviously, uh, for our friend in the question, there are other people in this group Right. So there's other places to focus, and there are these are people who come to our church, so maybe there are people who want to keep reaching out. So when we get that kind of, um, I mean, may, I don't know, Glenn, you've had a long career. Maybe you've told people a thing, and they've, they've not done it. That's I'm just, right. yes. just guessing here. Yeah. Maybe you've had people disappear for long stretches of time and then come back. Yeah. So how do we keep that kind of perspective into, as, as Lee's saying, it's, it's right and proper to feel stung by this, right. but... How do we not let the sting become the main thing about this whole deal? Well, if it makes you feel any better, uh, we experience this all the time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if I, if it was a case that I somehow sucked, I there wouldn't be any jealousy and we wouldn't be having those problems. I also can't hide my light under a bushel just to make you feel more secure. So I'm in an unwinnable position in that. And I don't want to take people caught up in that and kind of have a tug of war with that either. You know, that's between you and your husband. Y'all work that out and get back to me. But I think the thing that's that's telling here is the husband saying that we're spiritually immature. I'd love to know really what that means. Um, But our hint is that he's been in church longer. Uh, let me tell you what being in church longer counts for: diddly squat. <laughs> okay, I don't mean there. There's a saying where I come from: "There's no fool like an old fool." Mm. Okay, just because you've been hanging around longer doesn't mean you have any kind of a clue. That's not automatic. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But that much is for sure. Here's another thing: um, if uh, it, it, I mean. Oh, 
we were just earlier today, Jed and I were at Cook County Jail, and we had sort of a smaller group. So we said, well, let's let's just turn it into a small group meeting instead of doing a service. Let's just sit in a circle. And um, uh, and my response to them is, I I want you to preach the sermon today. I'm going to ask a series of questions that's going to challenge us on what we should do with the topic that we'd set aside to talk about that day. And you tell me. And literally, the answers that came out of that were smarter than anything I could have written down and preached. I mean, it was all right on the money. Then we had to talk about it. We had to cast about it. And we had some smart questions that were sort of provoking us to think along certain lines. But uh, their, quote-unquote, spiritual immaturity wasn't making it hard for us to hang out or to learn or to get something out of that meeting. So... um, the, you know, in my mind, I just don't think we have a, a case here. Uh, here's a big, big, big red flag: uh, people who are calling for respect they haven't earned. Mm. You didn't. Uh, you just because you've been going to church for a long time doesn't mean I defer to you. You have to earn that with me. You have to show me that you know something. Otherwise, you know what? What all? It, it just doesn't matter. Uh, they asked Jesus when he was doing his his ministry by whose authority. Do you teach these things? You know, mm. what makes you bona fide? Where did you go to school and seminary and get your piece of parchment that proves that you're, you know, that you have authority? Well, you know, you and I know the answer, which is, fool, I am the authority. What are you talking about? I'm Jesus. I'm it. I'm, I'm, I'm the top of the heap here. But it's this mentality that people who are clearly well below Jesus have the mentality of, you have to justify that to us. Right. You have to. You have to work that out with us. And I think uh, uh, that sense of I'm bona fide, you're not, is uh, is not one we want to associate with, really, at all. Uh, I, I have a lot of pull on my own mission field. I have the ability to speak and have people listen to that, but that's because I've earned it. I haven't, I haven't declared it. I, don't, I, I haven't put a, a piece of paper on the wall and say, therefore, I know something, and then they listen. So if you're calling for something you haven't earned, I think that's a problem. Um, uh, the the goal for us really, really, really here is to become nothing. That's mm. the idea. I, I take the nature of a servant. This is about you and what God's calling you to do, God's plan for your life. I want you to stand on my shoulders and reach higher, and that's my whole goal is— for me to not interfere in your relationship with God, but to get little things out of the way that allow those wheels to keep turning and moving forward. Um, I want to become nothing in that. I, I want to make myself, uh, I'm the one washing your feet and refreshing you and giving you a cup of cold water and saying, get back in there. So it's not uh, it's not a thing of getting to a place of, everybody recognize I know what the heck I'm talking about and think I'm wonderful anyway. Um, this is about uh, serving people and lifting them up. If you do that, there will be people that will be freaked out about that. There will be people who will be jealous about it, but you'll never have an empty Bible study. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, it's a great point, and it, it speaks, I wonder, and I don't want to uh, d- try to do any mind reading here. I also don't want to give the, uh, the offending party in this uh, question any credit. But um, there's some people who this is revealing of them because if they were in charge of a small group, they might do a lot of telling other people how they should live their lives. Yeah. So they kind of assume that if you're in charge of the small group they're in, there'll be a lot of handing down edicts. 
Uh, it's it's important, as Glenn is saying, to not do that, for that is good ministry. It's also important to not do that, and, and this is part of, as we talk about reputation here, um, if he goes around and says, well, I don't know how you go to that group, a dude just in there, you know, he's young buck, just telling you to do anything, eh, he didn't tell us what to do. That's not what we do. We sit around, we talk in each other's lives. It's important to kind of be very clear about um, what you're doing and how you're doing it, both in doing it and being clear with yourself that some, you know, you and your husband want to talk over, okay, we're feel like we're doing this, we're putting the servanthood stuff. It helps to say that stuff out loud quite often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is one of those things where, as we pointed out, and again, it's a sad point, there are always going to be people who just buck at the idea of any opinions on their life. Mm-hmm. And if you tell them, well, that's really not what we do at church, is just come and have opinions on their life, they're not going to try to hear that because that's what they're doing silently to themselves. <laughs> um, so as some of that is to say, uh, as to take us back where uh, Lou was saying, there are some red flags here. So it would be uh, a huge thing for you to stay in the life of your friend here, and even if that's not in the group, because there's a, there's a potential that she is married to a jerk-faced person. And uh, as Glenn would point out, everybody who marries someone marries a jerk-faced person in the beginning. We want to oh, yeah. push past that, so we want to... Be there for her in that, but there's a, a little bit of in the 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 end result of this is going to be a little bit of do what you can with what you have. So, however much you can see your friend, however much they're willing to do uh, the very good strategic stuff that Lee was uh, putting out there, just do what you can with that. And as we say on our mission field, play for time. So we're going to mm-hmm. move on to our next question. Here it comes in to our email address, and it says, "Is there a right way to grieve?" I recently lost a family member. I know I will need to move on eventually, but I am so sad right now. Do you have any advice for me? And Lee, why don't you kick us off? Absolutely. Um, first of all, I want to say that that we're so sorry for your loss. Uh, I want to say a couple things just kind of in general and pass it around to these other guys. But the first thing is that um, you grieve however you need to for as long as you need to do that without anybody telling you how that needs to go, when that needs to stop, or any of that stuff. Um, grief is not a... It's not the kind of thing where you can have... Uh, where, where we can say, okay, well, you lost... Uh, you know, this thing happened in your life, so this is the amount of time you get. Um, and it's not like, you know, uh, certain jobs, if you have a, you have a child and they say, okay, well, you've got some maternity leave or some paternity leave. It's for this many weeks. And then you got to be back at work and back, back at the grind and everything. That's not the way grieving works emotionally, um, mentally, spiritually, um, physically, all that stuff. The one thing that we want to understand about grief is that it taxes different parts of you in different ways at different times. Sometimes you are going to feel so physically tired. Um, sometimes you're going to feel like uh, laughing. You're, sometimes you're going to feel like talking about old memories of the person that you've lost. Sometimes you do not want to have those conversations. Sometimes you want to look at pictures. Sometimes you do not want to look at pictures. Um, but the, the whole thing is you set the agenda and the pace on that, um, and and, and nobody in your life should be saying to you, hey, let's speed it up. Let's, let's, let's move past this um, because you've got to figure this out. A couple of things real quick before we kind of – before we send it around to these other guys to, to kind of dig deeper into some of that stuff. I would say two things. One is look around at the people in your life and the people who are supportive, who are bringing brownies over to your house, who are asking how they can pray for you. 
and who are sitting down, not saying a lot, and listening, stick to those people. And avoid the people who are trying to legislate how your grief goes and when it ends. Um, And you have the right to tell people, um, I'm not dealing with you right now on this. We're not talking about this. You have the right to do that. You don't have to listen to people's nonsense if if they're getting in the middle of that. The second thing that I would say is, as you're figuring out this grieving process, and as you're doing what, what, what folks call grief work, and maybe these other guys will kind of get into what that means in a, in a minute, um, one of the things that you want to look at is, as you do something, as you experience something, if it's helpful or unhelpful, unhelp- if it's healthy or unhealthy for you personally, are you able to look back on that, recognize that, and learn from it? So if you, if you, if you do something in the middle of your grief and you realize the next day, okay, that was unhelpful and unhealthy, then, uh, you know, it's, it's okay. We all, we all make certain decisions in the middle of grief, in the middle of emotional uh, distress and trauma. Can we look at that unhelpful or unhealthy thing and learn from that so that we don't, um, so that we don't repeat that and plunge ourselves further down? And then if we try something and realize, man, that really moved me forward, that was really helpful, and that was really healthy, and I didn't think that was going to do anything, can we also learn from that and replicate that in the future? Again, nobody has the right to say, you can only grieve for this amount of time, but in the middle of that, having said that, there are things that will help and certain things that will be unhelpful and unhealthy. And what we want to do is, you want to walk with the Lord and give Him the freedom to tell you, that wasn't it. It's, you know, it's what it is, but let's move forward and not do that thing again, or that was it. That's the path that we want to take forward. So those are the things that I would say as we kind of get going on this. That's a really fantastic place to start there. And let's let's look at that idea of grief work, because I think one of the things that is particularly can be misunderstood about grief and definitely misunderstood about people who are trying to, I was going to say help someone who's grieving. I guess the more accurate shows me get someone to stop grieving right? Thank is that you. it is yeah. just a kind of a rush of emotion that happens and it's a negative emotion. So let's just right. push through this as quickly as we can. Right. And that's what health is. But grief is not unhealthy. It can go to an unhealthy place. Right. But there's a difference. That's kind of what the idea of grief work is about, right? That's right. I think grief work is, is in many ways working through the impact and and the you know what has happened here kind of thing. Uh, part of that is just figuring out how to reorganize your life without someone else in it that you were counting on. Mm. Uh, some of that is about um, deciding how you feel about it. You know, I don't know about you, but w- when something really bad happens to me, I have about five million feelings at once on that, and that's a lot of feelings to have at the same time. And so I can't really give them up to the Lord because they're all tangled together in a knot. So so what I want to do is go in there and start pulling those those individual feelings and emotions that I have out one by one and and deciding what I think about it. You know, if I let's say I'm angry at God because uh, this person was taken away from me, I say, well, but they're in a better place, and I wouldn't wish them back here, but it just I just miss them. Well, that's a good place to land, because you're supposed to miss them. That's, you, you know. Yep. 
Um, so you worked it out. So you take that one thread and you set that aside. Say, okay, I solved that one. I untangled that one from this knot here. And then you go to work on the rest of them. And you, and this process takes months and in some cases years and so forth. But with each step, you get healthier. With each step, you get stronger and you learn more about yourself and your relationship with God and other people. Uh, so that's grief work, and it's positive and it's good. And it's meant to be done in bits and pieces. It's not meant to try to do it all at once or to rush the process. Uh, the right way to grieve is to move forward. That's the right way. How you move forward doesn't really matter a whole lot. You know, it, where, you, where exactly you start doesn't matter. Uh, some people, as we were talking about before, uh, you know, want to ball their eyes out all the time. Some people just so overloaded with emotion, they, they're, they're not even ready to start crying yet. Uh, I, I was loving what uh, Lee was saying about the pictures. Uh, when my dad passed, my sister put up every picture of my dad she could find. And for me, it was just mm. too much to have his picture up and see him. It just because he's gone now. And it's like, I just, and I needed a process that he was gone. So mm. uh, part of that, as Lee is pointing out, is to know what, know how you need a process and don't judge yourself off of that. Don't judge other right. people off of that. Don't let them judge you off of that. Uh, but r- recognize, I it. the question is not, am I doing it right or wrong? The question is, am I moving forward through the process, really? Uh, whatever I'm doing to move forward through it, uh, I'm going to get where I'm going. It, so that's about uh, um, not wallowing in it, right? And I think part of this, and I want to tack this on to the end, part of it is, if I, th- this person's gone, if I'm happy, even a little bit, it's like a betrayal. Hmm. Like I don't care that they're gone now, and that's a weird feeling. It's a, it's it's a bad you know you 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 feel like I I'm not allowed to feel happy because that would be dishonoring to this person. And I think it's about looking at at, at that and pulling that out and saying this person's life does matter to you, and it matters in the way you live, and that that includes having a life of joy, and that it includes. Being stronger and it includes yes, it yes. Part of that is bawling your eyes out uh, and eating too much ice cream. Uh, part of that is uh, doing things with pictures or whatever the thing is. But it is about getting up and living your life. That's how you honor those that have passed away. And it's all great. I, w- I would quarrel with one small thing Glenn said there. The phrase "too much ice cream" is quitter talk, <laughs> yes. and I won't stand for it. On yes. <laughs> Because we have to have standards about something. I mean, like when you hit the bottom of the carton. That's you know. the sound of victory. That's right. Sad, indigestive victory. And, uh, Jay, I'd love to get you to, to close this out kind of on what Glenn is saying there, because um, I think that idea of the emotional, the emotionality of this is, is a big part of this, particularly um, as it uh, pertains to the working through it. And the idea of someone saying, well... There, I've, this sounds crazy when we say it out loud, but I think everyone has heard this and probably felt it. I've literally had to explain to people that you are not too sad about your parent dying. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is not a betrayal of Jesus for you to be sad yep. about this person dying. Yep. So in, in our quest to find out what the right proportion in this is being okay with what we're feeling going to be a big part of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as Lee said at the beginning, and I just want to echo it, we're sorry for your loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we mourn with you, and we're praying for you. We've got your back. How you feel makes sense, and your yep. feelings are valid, and you are permitted by us and by the Lord to have your feelings. 
and I will prove it to you, for we will turn now to Scripture. This is the book of Ecclesiastes. This is chapter 3. That's the real fancy part of Scripture. That's right. says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. We'll skip ahead a bit. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. The Bible, the word, the living and active word of God himself is saying, there is a time to mourn. There is a time to weep. Um, And for you, that time is right now. And that's that's okay. And in fact, other Christians are instructed elsewhere in Scripture to mourn with you in that time, to mourn with those who mourn. How you feel makes sense. Your feelings are valid. We want to look at left and right limits. Uh, on one side is if you've got people, and Christians get really bad at this, unfortunately, they get uncomfortable with people who are mourning, mm-hmm. and they want that to be over as quickly as possible. So if you've got people saying, hey, God is good all the time, and uh, he, he moves in mysterious ways, and everything <laughs> happens for a reason, so let's all just not think about it anymore. That is bad, and that is wrong, and that is unchristian. Um, and uh, we, we shan't be putting up with that at all. That is something up with which we shall not put. Correct. (laughs) That's on the one side. You are not too sad over the passing of your loved one. Every one of us on this show has lost people close to us. We have all had to work through a grieving process. You are allowed to be sad. Your feelings make sense. And no one has the right to tell you to stop feeling how you feel. Amen. Again, that's unscriptural and it's unchristian. And it's uncool, too. And it's uncool. It's just it's just plain mean. Uh, and it's you know what it really is is selfish. They are uncomfortable with how you feel, and so they're trying to uh, just mess up your process for the sake of their uncomfortability. That's the definition of selfish. Um, hey, I know like you're dealing with a death in your family, but your <laughs> grief is really bumming me out. So like if we could just that's yeah don't no it's just full stop in that. Now the boundary on the other side is something that's not unique to grief. Um, it actually comes up in a lot of stuff, is should we reach a point where this is keeping you from living a normal life, we need to ask for help, right? So for example, if you if you say, I have a struggle with anger, it's one thing if you get mad in traffic. Everybody gets mad in traffic. It's another if somebody says something rude and it... Um, you know, you kind of lose your temper and, and you, you know, you raise your voice a little bit. It's still another if you lose every job you have because you fly off the handle and start throwing things. If you're in that third category, your anger is getting in the way of normal life. And we need to find a therapist. We need to find a counselor. We need to reach out. We need to help get some, we get some help with that anger so that we can live normal life without the anger getting in the way. So it is with grief. It's a very rare thing, but there are people where, for a variety of reasons, the grief is keeping them. We're not able to process through the grief and get to the other side. The grief is keeping us from from basic life function. Um, the, the grief is getting in the way of us being able to hold down a job. The grief is being, getting in the way of us being able to, to stay in school, and it's causing problems. Again, to be clear, this is something that a very small fraction of people find. If you find that it's having that kind of impact, then yes, you should reach out for help. You should find a counselor. You should find a therapist. If you're not sure who to talk to, email us. We'd love to help you find a person. Mm-hmm. Money's actually not a problem. We can help you find a person that offers sliding scale counseling or low cost or no cost counseling. But 
if the grief is not getting in the way of you just living basic life, you're able to hold down a job, you're able to go to school, you're able to manage your, your responsibilities, and you are working through it, then you're doing great. Um, and we've got your back. We're proud of you. It takes a strong person to be able to day by day work slowly but diligently through a hard thing, especially when a lot of people around them don't understand that process and wouldn't take that kind of faithful approach to it. We're proud of you. We've got Amen. your back. Absolutely. Two quick things I'll tack on the end of all this very good stuff. One is um, we talked about the idea of kind of dealing with things as they come. We talked about you know moving forward, progression. Um, that, that is the thing about grief, as, as Jed is pointing out. Um, to feel incredibly bereaved by the death of a close relative, the week it happens, there's, I mean, it's not a full all bets are off, you know, uh, any behavior, but you got a pretty high ceiling on that as far as what's within the realms of normal and healthy. If three years down the road, you felt that exact same feeling, that mm-hmm. would be an indication of a problem. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the feeling, having the feeling is not the problem. Yeah. It's the proportion and the timing of that to the way things work. So nothing, again, we're not judging the feeling here. The other thing I would say here is, um, as, as Jed pointed out, there's a lot of uh, folks who are like, what they mean and what they're almost saying is, you being sad is, I can't take it. So just stop it. <laughs> Pretend to be happy like the rest of us. This is church. What's wrong with you? Um, so that's, uh, as, as Lee pointed out, not cool. Uh, also, not very Christian. Uh, Jesus, uh, pretty clear, mourn with those who mourn. Jesus wept, the whole deal. But one of the things on that, and this is a particular bit of Christian insanity that gets bumped around, which uh, is easy to internalize because it sounds right, and Glenn actually brought it up, that idea of, well, you shouldn't be sad because they're in heaven, <sighs> and heaven is wonderful. And do you think heaven sucks? Is that why you're sad? Because you don't like heaven, you dirty sinner. Um, here's here's the, the proper response to that. You don't have to say it out loud, but sometimes it's fun to say it out loud because it really uh, flips them out. I am not sad for insert relative here. I am sad for me. Right. <laughs> Someone I loved died, you absolute monster. <laughs> You get to be sad for you. Yeah, that's right. The fact that not every aspect of this sucks for everyone involved, it is not, not only is it not unhealthy to mourn that way, it is not selfish in a bad way to mourn something that affects your life. You are certainly entitled to that. And uh, as all of these guys said, if you need help with that, feel free to reach out to us. Sorry, move on to our final question here. Comes in anonymously. It says, there's a lot of talk about Romans 13 in the news lately. People seem to say that it means Christians have to go with whatever the government says and does. Is that true? Glenn, watch case off. Uh, not like you think. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Um, uh, on this podcast, we do everything humanly possible to stay out of politics and away from politics and leave politics to politicians and, and for you to vote your conscience. And we don't want to get in that. Uh, we have a, a calling and mandate to help you with your spiritual health. That's where our, our focus is. We are going to do everything we can on this uh, question to stick to that, but it's kind of tough because the question is about what the Bible says about politics. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have we, we, it, it's a fine line we're gonna we're gonna walk here. Now, they um, came into our yard. We didn't come into theirs. That, yeah, I guess so. Um, here, let's start here. This verse is being uh, quoted about uh, you know that we must obey. Uh, the laws of the land, the earthly authorities, and so forth, in Romans 13, is being quoted saying, 
uh, we have taken uh, uh, immigrant people, separated their the children from those families, and we have put them in camps. Yes. Particularly in this case, people seeking asylum in the United States. That's right. Um, and uh, this is being done under the law. It's not mandated by law that it be done this way, but it's done as part of a law enforcement, uh, uh, you know, effort. Uh, and I think uh, let's begin with this in terms of our perspective on that. That is immoral, whether mm-hmm. it is illegal or not. It's unacceptable to us. Right. It's unacceptable to people who have morals. I mean, we're we're not getting Jesus in this yet. Yep. We're just talking about as a human society, this is immoral. This is, is bad. It is a wrong thing. Period. The end. There's there are not two sane ways of looking at that. There's not a yell but on this. There really isn't. Uh how we want to deal with illegal immigration and the way the laws should be structured, that's between you and your representative in Congress. And I want you and them to work on that and leave us completely out of that. Because mm. we're we're not politicians. That's not what we do. If you want to know the the spiritual side of that, if you want to obey scripture, uh I will give you some scripture to obey. Here's yeah. Deuteronomy 27, anyone who treats foreigners unfairly is under the Lord's curse. Ah. Is that like a good curse? <laughs> no. No. Oh. no. Psalm 146, the Lord watches over the foreigner. Hmm. So that's, you know, Leviticus 19, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigners residing amongst you must be treated as your native born. Hmm. Love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God, just in Ew. case you were wondering who was <laughs> huh! talking there. He signed that one. Yeah. Uh, a, a couple of chapters later. Suppose you are gathering your crops. Then do not harvest all the way to the edges of your field, and do not pick up all the grain you missed. Leave some for the poor people and the foreigners who live among you. I am the Lord your God. Hmm. Ah. In case you were wondering who was talking. About There's that. a consistent theme emerging. Ah. Hebrews 13, do not forget to welcome foreigners by doing that. Some people have welcomed angels without even knowing it. Uh, That's an extremely clear biblical mandate. I can't think of one any any more clear. Um, Here's here's another thing, and again, this is as close as we're going to come to talking about politics. If you live in a democracy, laws can be changed. Yes. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, if you're saying, I think... Here is a law that I don't like, and I think we should change that law to be more in keeping with God's word. Yes. On a subject like, I don't know, pick one abortion. Mm. If you want the law changed to reflect what you think is a godly and moral value, then I think you are on the side of the immigrants and making sure the laws are changed to reflect better care for them based on what Scripture says. Huh. If you're not on that, you just want what you want. Hmm. I understand that I, 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 you know, I, I, I can be that person. I'm, I'm not that kind of person on this kind of issue. But, uh, you know, some of us just want what we want, and we're trying to put God on that. It's a dangerous game to play. I wouldn't recommend it at all. Uh, but, uh, it, it, you know, it, this is about uh, uh, trying to wrestle with what it is that God is asking us to do in the situation. Uh, but let me really make sure before we dive into this deeper that we cover this point. There is a point where breaking the law is the righteous thing. Yep. 
Yeah. If you don't know where that point is, it's time to think about that right now. There's a point where God is leading you one direction and the law is the, you know the the, the law of the land yeah. is leading you another direction. Uh, this has happened in the lives of many believers in other countries, of course. Uh, uh, I was on the phone, just as an example, on the phone with a, uh, a, an amazing uh, woman who's doing some amazing ministry in Canada, and she wanted to get into doing some prison ministry off of the work that she was doing with poor people there, and uh, 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 some sex workers and those kinds of things. And she's, she wants to know, okay, we have a law here that we can't work with them behind bars and then follow up with them on the streets. That's that's a law. And I said, yeah, we had a similar law here. It's changed in some places and some places not. And she says, oh, okay, so how did you deal with that law? And I said, we broke it. <laughs> and she Repeatedly laughed exactly like that. and enthusiastically. Yeah, we broke it every time we got a chance to. Because you make a law that I can't fulfill my calling, sorry, I'm going to do it. Now, I explained to her, we were careful within that. I explained to her, we were actually obeying the spirit behind that law. The, the idea is you don't want to harass people and have to bring up their incarceration when they're on the outside, like, you know, have their, tell their neighbors, I'm, I know so-and-so from the county jail, those kinds of things. I'm here to see ex-con John. So that's right. You know, it's, you don't want to stigmatize people with that. And it makes sense. And so we don't do that. So we obey the spirit of the law. And also no one's ever going to call and complain on that. Also, right. I run into these people on the streets. What am I supposed to go running away when I, cause I've seen them from the jailhouse? <laughs> I mean, none of it makes any sense. So we do the best that we can with that. And, and we try and do as much as we can to honor things. But we know exactly when it's time to break uh, that law. And we, we choose to do that. Uh, you need to know when this is uh, this is beyond the pale here. When 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 God's calling us towards one thing, uh, we've talked about it before. Uh, it, it, if God says that thou shalt honor your father and mother, and thou shalt not steal, if your father and mother asks you to steal, there has to be a way of figuring out what's the right thing here that goes mm-hmm. beyond just the written word. We have to have a deeper understanding of Scripture. We have to have godly counsel, and we have to be able to go to the Lord in prayer. And there are going to be times He's going to say, "Don't do that thing." It's a really, really great point. That's all fantastic stuff. And Lee, I'd love to go to you here and get. Uh, why don't you take us inside the argument that's being made about Romans thirteen a little bit, and how that is being uh, certainly stretched beyond what is actually in the text, and how that applies, how that compares to the rest of how that issues dealt with in the New Testament. Well, the the fact is that that this verse in Romans 13 is being completely exploited. I mean, it is just being pulled out of the scriptures and just being just blatantly used uh to to keep a, you know, our team versus their team mentality thing in the exact same way that this exact same verse used to be used to defend slavery in the United States of America. This is th- this verse being used by a certain individual on TV is the exact same way this same verse used to be used to be used to defend slavery. Nobody is confused about the fact that that was an evil use of this verse back in the day. And the fact that people are confused about it now just uh underlines the fact that that we are so entrenched in the the teams and our sides that some people refuse to actually think the the funny thing here is that uh if folks got to know anybody 
um, actually got to know um, a, a person who was an immigrant, uh, became you know had a conversation, became friends with them. Some of this, some of this fog might clear up, and they might say, "Gosh, this is absolutely ridiculous. This is a person." But so much of what's happening here is that this thing is just being used as a rallying cry. They're just using the scripture. The thing about it is, is that that you know the same you know uh, this kind of thing happens all the time. Somebody can use a Bible verse to say whatever they want, and that's why I'm so glad that 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 Glenn was able to pull out verse after verse after verse after verse. The fact is, the Old Testament, the only thing that gets more uh, playtime than uh, more playing time. Uh, you know, as far as a subject in the Old Testament, as far as a command from God, the only thing that gets more playing time than loving the alien is loving God Himself. That's the second most, uh, the the second most uh, frequent command in the Old Testament is to love the alien and the foreigner. That is, it is a huge deal. So when somebody uses a verse out of context. To, uh, to convince you to do something or to defend something that is, as Glenn has pointed out, clearly, clearly unbiblical, clearly against Scripture, then we can know that this is not what the Scripture is telling me. And this is not what it means to, to, to obey, you know, Romans chapter 13 or whatever. Over and over and over again, and, and, and Glenn could have gone on for, the, for like ad nauseum. Just reading yeah. verse after verse after verse. Uh, one one example is every single time, by the way, that you see the word hospitality in the New Testament, every time, that is a Greek word that is uh, the word xenophilius, someone who loves the foreigner, loves the outsider. Um, th- it is over and over and over and over again in Scripture. So this is the thing that happens. Somebody takes a Bible verse, pulls it out of context, and just uses it to say something that they want to say because they are entrenched on their team. And people aren't able to think, and they're not able to look, and they're not able to figure it out. But as we look at Scripture, we realize this has nothing to do with the heart of God. It is completely against everything that, as Glenn's saying, is moral, right, Kind, fair, good. I mean, the separation of a of a mother from her child. It's unbelievable that we even have to talk about this. But just as an example to kind of, uh, just to give us a biblical example of what Glenn's talking about, there was a place in Acts chapter 4 where Peter and, <clears throat> Peter and John are in front of government officials. And the government officials said, you have to stop talking about Jesus. And Peter and John both said, you have to decide what is right for you. But as for us, we cannot stop talking about what we have seen and what we have heard. And they got beat up by, off of that. They got imprisoned off of that. But they made a decision right there. I have to follow God. I've met a fork in the road. And when that kind of a thing happens, the people who love Jesus are always supposed to be the people who love foreigners the people who love outsiders, the people who love the poor, the people who love the down and out, the people who love the oppressed. We want to be the ones who stand with those folks, who speak for those folks, and who love them as we love ourselves. And we can't let just somebody taking a verse out of context to defend something that is absolutely and obviously against the rest of Scripture and the heart of God and the heart of our own thinking selves. We can't let them dictate what we do off of that. 
That's absolutely right. That's all really, really great stuff. And Jed, let me get you to <clears throat> close this out here because I think it, it's fair to say that um, the person who wrote in the question, and I think I would surmise that pretty much anybody listening, certainly anybody still listening, mm. um, agrees with us on this, that this is uh, an awful, uh, ungodly, really just offensive thing. Um, and there is a, I think there's a tension when uh, dudes on suits in TV on TV who have job titles start talking about the Bible right. as if it were definitive. Right. Um, if it feels like there, there's a someone looked at this and said, "I know that can't be right." Right. And I need some backup, but I'd like us to fo- let's talk about that feeling of "I know that can't be right." Right. That sounds wrong to me, and how we follow and cultivate that. Sure, absolutely. Well, the first thing that we do need to do is we we need to reground ourselves. Um, let's start here. You are being lied to. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. All day, every day. And that's you're hearing that from people who work with criminals every day know that what the criminal impact is or potential criminal impact of all of these things are. Yeah. 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 We we work with lying liars. Lies we know. Right. You are being lied to all day, every day. And the human brain, this is a personal opinion, but I don't think the human brain was designed to withstand lying. I think there's something about a true 100% false, bald-faced lie that the human brain just goes, I don't know what to do with that. There must mm. be something true in it. There's not. It's a lie. It's, it's just plain a lie. This is the Old Testament. This is the book of Isaiah. It's the first chapter, uh, verses 16 to 17. Take, and this is God talking. The literal Lord of hosts is speaking here. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Those are the instructions of the Lord of hosts. Mm. If we flip to the New Testament and the book of James, we have um, the literal brother of Jesus writing, Religion that God our Father accepts as true and pure as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. It's the same thing. It's a a very long period of time apart, two very different dudes um, saying the exact same thing on behalf of the Lord. So we have to accept that um, we have to start with reorienting ourselves because we are being lied to. Um, The fact that someone has a suit and a tie doesn't mean they speak for God. The fact that they went to a seminary doesn't mean they speak for God. The fact that they're aligned with a particular political party definitely does not mean that they speak for God. Um, we also need to note that not only are they lying about what Scripture says, they are, they're also lying about the nature of reality. Part of what's being fed to you, whether you are buying into it or not, is these immigrants are taking something away from you. Mm-hmm. They're coming here, and they're stealing your future, and they're stealing your job, and they're stealing your opportunity, and you better watch out, or it's going to get worse. That's a lie. It's not true. It's just a bald-faced lie. It's not a little true. It's not partially true. It's not like a fraction of a percent true. It's a lie. It's zero percent true. No immigrant has ever taken anything away from you, ever. If you you can give me a verifiable example in your life 
of that being other than what I just said, email me. I'd love to hear about it. But it you won't because it hasn't happened. This, this is a lie. This, there's nothing about it that's true. So we need to keep regrounding ourselves in what is true and what Scripture says. And then we need to take action. The thing we want to encourage you to do is to find a good fight and get in it. Amen. If you're, if you're not sure of, of a good one, this is a great one. If you're if you've already got your fights lined out, that's okay. But if you don't and you're not sure, get in this fight. Fight back. That's what that verse in Isaiah is saying. Fight back. Mm. Take up the cause of the oppressed. Yes, you should start with what is permissible under the law. Absolutely. There's no question about it. And that's actually what Romans 13 means. This right. was a letter that was being sent to people who were engaged in illegal activity. Christianity was illegal under the Roman Empire. Right. Yep. As much as you're able, you should fight back under the law, under yep. what is permissible under law. There's all kinds of good reasons for that. And again, when the Bible talks about obeying the laws of land, most of what it's talking about are common sense things. It's, it's, it, let's not needlessly cause problems is essentially what both Paul and Peter say on the same subject. Absolutely. The key thing here is fight back. Get in this fight. Now, how you do that depends on your situation, depends on, on you as a person. Let's look at this. Uh, do, hospitality, welcoming the outsider. That can mean being a friend of the new kid at school. Yep. That could be being a friend of the person who just started at your job. That's awesome. That is a great place to begin. That's wonderful. It's fantastic. Do that. If you're able to do that, do that. If you're able to help out with an ESL class in your community, that's great. Do that. If you're able to take a plate of brownies to the, uh, the family that's just moved to the neighborhood and just welcome them, that's great. Do that. If you're able, if the Lord calls you to get involved in local government or state government or national government, great. Do that. We need all of those things. My wife was in the army. What she can tell you is an army takes all all kinds of people. It's not just the guys that are kicking indoors. It's, it's, it's a whole thing. God's army works the same way. We need people doing all kinds of things. The key thing is get in that fight. This is a grave injustice. This is evil at work in the world. We need, as followers of Jesus Christ, to fight back with the light and truth and love of the gospel. Get in that fight. Absolutely right. Those, these guys have all put fantastic on this. And I, I just want to add one thing to this, which is a fairly unpleasant reality of this, but it adds to the uh, you're being lied to. Um, anyone who says at any time, Romans 13 means you have to do what the government says, is not only lying that they're misinterpreting scripture, they're, they're lying. Right. No one in the history of earth has believed that. Right. Again, that's not what Paul wrote down. In the interpretation of that, no one has ever believed that because that would mean especially if they're saying in this country that the United States was founded on grievous sin. Right. Because you can't think George Washington was neat, but think <laughs> that you also got to conform to the government. So uh, when they, often, when, often what people are saying when they say this, and again, they've taken a beating in this show, and oh crap, do they deserve it, is middle-aged, middle-class, suburban white men who think there's a structure to the world, mm. maybe a patriarchal structure, maybe one where a certain ethnic group, you know, through the sweat of their brow mm, yeah. and decades of really, really aggressive redlining uh, policies has gotten advantage. And you know what? It's just against God to be angry about that. Sure. Yeah. You know, you know, we live here and they live there. And right. uh, maybe if God didn't want it that way, he wouldn't, he wouldn't put it that way. Right. So don't get all rebellious. Sure. And then if you go down to further in Romans 13, where it says whining about your taxes is a sin, <laughs> that they kind of jump off. 
Right. <laughs> they think, well, you know, don't get it all twisted with like, you know. And the Bible it, says a lot of things, Matt. <laughs> and that is really, it's, it's a bonus point, but it's one I, I will throw it out here. Here's the, here is the attitude everyone, everyone, I will say again, everyone has towards the Bible. There's parts of the Bible I like, parts I don't like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyone who comes and says, it's in the Bible, so you have to do it. <laughs> no, I don't. Right. That's, again, that's the whole fundamental reality of this religion, is if you believe in your heart and confess about Jesus the Lord, you're as saved as you're ever going to be. Right. You don't have to do anything else in that book. Right. You're supposed to, because it makes your life better. Right. It makes your walk better. And that applies to Romans 13 as well. So mm-hmm. if we're looking for a way to apply Romans 13, let's look at it through that lens of, as, as, these, guys, as these guys are saying, there are good reasons to do things within the bounds of the law. One of those is we've all been to the county jail. Woo! The county jail sucks. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So if you can avoid that, that's super awesome. Right. There's also a point in here where, where that really gets misrepresented, which is this idea that in Romans 13, I think it's in verse 2, where Paul says, whoever's in the authorities were placed there by God. That's true. That's not necessarily a statement about the authorities being correct or godly. That's right. That is a statement about believing you live in a world where an omnipotent being is in charge. He put this president in place. He put the other president in place, this prime minister, that prime minister. He put the bad kings of Israel in place just as much as he did the good ones. He right. put Pilate and Herod in authority. I mean, this, we again, as, as uh, Jed pointed out, if we're looking at when Paul wrote this, he's talking about a government that was actively murdering Christians. Right. And Paul knew he'd been a part of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Uh, so when he says, God put that guy in place, that's true. That's an important theological point. But it's not the point of, therefore, everything this person who in, is in any kind of authority, because again, boy, do they love to spread that out to government authority, church authority, the police, whatever. It doesn't mean everything they do is right. That's not what it's saying. One more thing? Yeah, just real quick to to tack on to what you're saying there. Uh, Part of our perspective on this is we work with the criminal justice system on an everyday basis. Heavy air quotes around justice. Yes. we uh, Yeah, we understand a a bit more of how that works in practical everyday life than, than people who are outside of that system. First and foremost, all uh, prosecution is selective. That is, you choose which laws to enforce. You can't enforce them all all the time. Yep. Uh, you you would you wouldn't be able to fill. You would be able to arrest them all, process them all. That that would not. As I know, you may be living in a world where every time somebody does something illegal and we catch them, we arrest them and we put them in jail. It's not how it works. That is nope. not even close to how it works. <laughs> That's about one in ten crimes are ever resulting in someone being sentenced. So um, you're choosing which of these things we want to emphasize, that we want to enforce, and how we want to enforce them. You're doing that on the basis of trying to keep order and and trying to keep an orderly society where things run well and where there's no problems and keep people secure and safe. The idea, as Jed's saying, that that we must enforce these laws in order to be safe and secure, is based on something that does not exist in the real world. In other words, we're looking at crime statistics that are telling us this is not a threat, this is not a problem, this is not a thing we need to use these laws to enforce. So um, it's about recognizing that there's a lie being told to you in order to manipulate you, uh, as opposed to let's defend something we really don't understand. Yeah, it's 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 a bonus point of bonus point, but that is another important part of just as you, if you're a young person, as you uh, grow older, if you're looking at kind of 
being a responsible citizen, which the Bible calls us to do. Um, again, that is looking at things that are act- actually can be influenced through policy. Um, the the idea of just elect this person or pass this thing, and we'll all be safe and prosperous from here on in. That's literally unbiblical. The Bible says right. there's nothing but God that can provide safety. It says, don't worry about tomorrow, very specifically. So that when you get into that, well, this will just, if we don't do it, it'll just, it'll just all right. be chaos. That's and they can't it. tell you how. That's the sound a lie makes. Yeah. So it's not a spiritual point, but a bonus yeah. point for you. Right. All right. Well, that got ranty. Woo! And I think justifiably so. Yeah. But let's take it out on a high note. Jed mentioned Power in the Blood by our friend, new friend Ashen out of Sri Lanka. I think that's exactly the right note to go out on that. So take out that. If you have a question for us, say that podcast gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast ministry to all corners of the globe and North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs>